Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Lord, Jesus is still on the throne. No matter what you think, no matter what the devil says, no matter what uh, anyone's doing in the world, God is on the throne and he wants to display his glory in your life. Amen. And uh, I was thinking as we were worshiping, I was worshiping and thinking. But I was thinking that one of the missions that, that I feel that is my, my part in ministry is to remove everything that would cause us not to receive the fullness God has for us. Say, well, it's just there. The problem is, is a lot of times uh, we, we have preconceived ideas, we have ideas, we have things that would shut off the valve. You know, I was, uh, I was in the Navy and uh, I was in a, I was in a uh, section that uh, we supplied steam. Steam was the power. And without us, you can do nothing. So anyway, but you could, uh, you could regulate valves to where either you supplied more or you supplied a little. And um, so I feel like it's our job to remove everything that would hinder you from receiving all that God wants you to have. Of course, there is the eternal salvation. We want you to have that. We want you to be saved. How many of you are saved? You've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. You've, uh, you've received not only uh, Jesus as Savior, but you've received him as Lord. But you know what? There is also other things in the scripture, as actually Loretta is going to be sharing in her uh, de- deliverance uh, class. Is that a deliverance class? Okay. You know, the Bible says, give no place to the devil. And so God, uh, that would be something that would throttle your valve. That would, be, that would throttle the supply of, God, of God's blessing in our lives. So if we shut that, if we shut him off, it will open up more, more for us to receive. But uh, I need to get on. The problem with me is I can talk. And uh, you know what? Everything somebody says in the, like Katie with, with her thing, she was doing the Lord's Prayer. And I was thinking, well, I could say this about that. Or I could say this about that, you know, because I want to reinforce what people are saying. Like when my wife preaches, she has very good messages, but I, but I on the inside, I can reinforce 
scripturally what she's saying. That's just the way I think. And so um, Raymond and I, uh, we get together to walk occasionally, but most times it's to get together to go to Dunkin' Donuts. To get coffee, you know. Do you like to walk in the rain? I mean, who likes to walk in the rain? I'm seeing, and it always rains on Thursday. Did you notice that? Well, he's got this song. That, did he write that? He, he, he's got a song. We were actually talking about this, I think, a couple of weeks ago. But he, had a, he wrote a song called Not Afraid to Get Dirty. And so I was going over my notes for this week, and I thought, Wow, not afraid to get dirty. That would really fit. <laughs> and so uh, I'm going to begin, just rehearse a couple of verses from uh, chapter 1 of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him, Nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it or overpower it. Do you know that you, because you have received Christ, you are a child of light. You are children of light. And so therefore, the, so whether you realize it or not, you have what's on the inside of you to completely shut off everything that Satan would try to bring against you because you are a child of light and light shuts out the darkness. It overpowers the darkness all the time. All the time. And so if there's darkness that enters our life, we have the ability through Christ to turn on the light. You know, uh, for some reason at my age, I wake up at like three in the morning and I, and I don't go back to sleep. Well, we sleep in the same bed and we sleep in the same bedroom and she wouldn't like it if I turned on the light. Besides that, all of the obstacles for me to get to the light switch are there before I get to the light switch. So I have to get up in the dark because we have room darkening shades. Praise the Lord for room darkening shades because our bedroom's on the south side of the house. And like last night, it was almost like a light was on outside our house. But if one of the best ways to keep you from stumbling is to turn on the light. And a lot of times we think, well, isn't it just automatic? It's not automatic. It's there. It's available. All right. So the scripture says, give no place to the devil. Let's get back to John. Let's go down to verse 12. He says, For as many as received him, to them he gave the power, the right, the authority to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. How many believe on the name of Jesus? Amen. He says, Who were born not of blood. We're talking about being born of God. Your parents had, your parents got you here. 
but they didn't make you children of God. They, they might have prayed for you. Some of them might have been a discouragement to it. But they didn't make you children of God. He goes on to say, uh, nor blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man. Let me tell you this. No organized church can determine whether you are a child of God or not. Let me say this because I've heard it over the years. If you don't belong to our church, you can't go to heaven. If you're not baptized like we do, you're not going to heaven. If you don't speak in tongues like we do, you're not going to heaven. All of that is false. Because it is what God does in your life to make you a child of God. Some people say, well, you don't speak in tongues, you can't go to heaven. Well, I was going to heaven before I spoke in tongues. Amen. Hallelujah, 1967. And I have a picture of the place. It's an aerial photo looking down on the stadium. It's not of the time I got saved, but it's the place. It's no longer there. Billy Graham's no longer here. But I got saved in 1967 when I was 13 years old. And I had an experience with God that cannot be denied. Hallelujah. So what I'm telling you is that no man or organization can give it to you and no man or organization can take it from you. You have to be born of the Spirit and you receive the Spirit as you confess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. You believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again from the dead and you submit yourself to let him be the Lord of your life. And I've already mentioned this. The reason they call the guy the landlord is because he owns the place you're living in. So it, when we submit ourselves to the Lord Jesus, you know, and he owned you before you even got saved. He made this earth. He made er the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Thank you, Lord. So, we're actually headed to verse 14. He says this, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the Word? The Word is Jesus. What was Jesus? And who is Jesus? Jesus is God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He made everything. He's got all the qualifications to be God. So the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. How many of you read the Bible? I mean, not just a little bit here, a little bit there. You've read the Bible. How many of you notice there is a difference between the Old Testament 
and the New Testament. I used to think, why was God so mean back there? <laughs> you know, if, you, you, do you know that when they moved the Ark of the Covenant, when they were in the wilderness, the people had to stay about a mile away from it. The Levites and the priests could be there, but the other, the, the other tribes had to stay about a mile away from it to protect them. And you know that if the priest went inside the, the Holy of Holies with the offering and they had sin in their lives, what happened? They died. They actually tied a rope around their ankle so that when they went in, if they got bloop and they didn't hear the bells and the pomegranates, they just pulled them back out. And I think, man, God, what's the deal here? David, he decided he wanted to bring the ark to Jerusalem. And so they loaded it up on, a, on an ox cart. They were bringing it to Jerusalem. They were praising and worshiping. They were making sacrifices. And the ox stumbled, and it, the, the ark started to tilt, and Uzzah reached out his hand to steady the ark, and bam, he died. You think, man, God's mean. Well, I'm going to get to that in a second. Was God really mean? Good. So, uh, there was, I think there was another one I wanted to talk about. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember, uh, if you read the Bible, the, uh, the Israelites were in a fight with the Philistines, and the priests were wicked. And so the, actually the Philistines got a hold of the ark. And so they took it to their, to their city and it wasn't a good thing for them. They start, all the men got hemorrhoids. That's kind of funny, you know? <laughs> so, and so they passed it to, from city to city. They said, don't bring that here. Don't bring that here. So they... They sent it back on an ox cart. Well, when it came, it came to a place called Shiloh, and the men of Shiloh were so excited, but what did they do? They looked in the ark. It wasn't a good thing. Okay, now to show you that God's not a bad God, how many of you enjoy electricity? Do you enjoy uh do you enjoy cooking with electricity? I like gas, but we have electricity. Um, we have electric lights. We, we have a lot, a, lot of elect, a lot of electrical stuff. How many of you know electricity is always good? It's always good, but if you don't know how to handle electricity, you could die. If you touch that electricity in the, in the wrong way, you die. Why? Not, not because electricity is bad. It's because your body cannot handle the power that's in electricity. Is it possible that God wasn't such a bad guy it's just that they couldn't handle the power of God and when they touched it or got near to it or they, or 
they had sin in their lives, that's what killed them, not God. That's just a thought. Because the reason I bring all this up is because God came to earth. Why didn't the people die? And there were people that actually touched Jesus, and Jesus actually touched people. How many of you know that everybody then was a sinner? There wasn't a cross yet. So sinners were touching God. But how many of you have ever worked around electricity? You notice that they have, like, is it rubber or plastic around the wire? Coating or whatever. Why do they put that on there? So you don't kill yourself. So why? Because it insulates it insulates the power that's in the that's in the the electricity flowing through the wire so that if you touch the wire you're touching the plastic or rubber or whatever it is and it doesn't hurt you. When Jesus God became flesh there was the insulation his flesh was the insulation. And besides that the Bible says in one of the books, Paul, it slipped my mind, that he, 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 he was God, did not thought it, think it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, but he laid aside his Godhead. He, not that he wasn't still God, but he laid it aside so that he could come and be with men. Okay, so God was not afraid to get dirty. Think about this. What is our body made out of? Dust you are, and dust you shall return. So God puts on a dirt suit. Yeah, you're looking at me like, what's he saying? Your body's made of dust. Dust you are, dust you shall return. But God was not afraid to get dirty. The holy and righteous and pure God came so that he could get close to you. And if I was of a mind to sing, which I'm not, there's an old song that says, just like me, they long to be close to you on the day that you were born. No. God wants to be close to you. In the Old Testament, he couldn't because the people, because of the condition of the people, and they were still in that same condition when Jesus was walking the earth, but he put an insulated suit on so that he could get near to you. He could get near to you. God put on a human body that was made out of dust. In other words, God, God left all the glory of heaven. How many of you would like to have a bar of gold? Just, just a bar. Well, not me. I'm too humble. Well, man, I, I, give me yours. <laughs> There's a lot of things we can do with it. We don't have to spend it on the lust of our flesh. 
You know, we could pay off people's bills. We could, we could do things for the Lord. You say, oh, isn't this precious? That's just road, road uh, material. That's like asphalt in heaven. So Jesus leaves heaven. The Bible says, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he were rich, yet he became poor, that you through his poverty, he left heaven, he left all that, he laid things aside, so that you through his poverty could be made rich. You say, well, where's my bar of gold? The reality is, is you are made a new creation in Christ Jesus where all things are passed away and all things are become new. You are a new creature in Christ. You have a new heart. You do not have anymore the heart of stone. You have a heart of flesh. You have a heart that is responsive to God. All of the gold in the world will not, will not do you any good in a hundred years. Unless you're Methuselah. Thank you, Lord. So, God was made flesh so that he could live among sinners. What happened if you were a sinner? What does the law do if you're a sinner? It kills you. Does that make the law bad? No, the law's not bad. It's the sin on the inside of us that kills us. But the law is holy and righteous, and when we get when we see, when we see and we experience the law, it kills the sin in us and therefore kills us. But hallelujah. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. You who are dead in trespasses and sins, he has made alive. Do you know that sin can't kill you anymore? But don't play with it. You know, there's some electricians. I've heard that they can just handle, handle wires. They know what they're doing. I'm not handling them. There's some people that know how to handle electricity and they don't need what some of us would need. Most of us, all we need is caution. Get away. <laughs> Don't touch. Thank you, Lord. So he's not afraid to get dirty. He's not afraid. He touched the sick. He touched the lame. He touched the blind. He touched the leprous. Do you know... Even in the New Testament, the leper was supposed to say, if he got around people, he was to say, unclean, unclean. He was supposed to stay away from people because they're contagious. But what's Jesus do? He just doesn't. He goes to the leper and he touches them. And when he touches them, they get healed. Is there anything in our lives that he can't turn around? Is there anything in our lives that he can't heal? Is there any pain from the past? Some of us are letting the devil beat the hell out of us because we keep remembering 
the things, the stupid things we did in the past or somebody else did to us. The reality is, is that Jesus, the word made flesh, dwelt among us, came to touch your dirty part. Hallelujah. He came to touch it and to cleanse you. Thank you, Lord. He allowed, he not only touched people, he allowed people to touch him. Think of the woman with the issue of blood. She came and touched Jesus. And he said, who touched me? He said, Lord, everybody's touching you. He said, no, somebody touched me because I felt virtue go out of me. What made the difference? Because she came in faith and she touched she touched him. She wanted something from Jesus, and she knew that if she touched him, she would get it. Are you that convinced that if you know that, that you know that God will touch you, God will change it, God will turn it around, or are you still thinking, well, maybe I am unrighteous, maybe there's something wrong with me, maybe God doesn't like me as much as he likes everybody else. That is all lies of the devil. God wants to turn it around. He wants to touch you. When I was a kid, there was a song called, He Touched Me. He touched me, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Maybe you might not like the song, but the reality is, is the words are great. Thank you, Lord. He allowed people to touch him. He allowed, oh, think of this one. Jesus was invited to dinner by a Pharisee. Now, Pharisees, they think they're righteous. They keep the law. They read the law. They do, they do this. They tell everybody what's wrong with them. And there was this woman that came in. And she was washing Jesus' feet with her tears. And she was drying his feet with her hair. And the Pharisee said to himself, if, if he was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman she is. Well, he knew what kind of woman she was, but he, he knew that she was repentant and she was worshiping him. The thought always, every time I read that story, I think of a bad hair day. You know, you know what, you know why some women have bad days? It's because they have bad hair days. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't see responses. But she purposely, she sacrificed her beauty for Jesus. She sacrificed everything. She humbled herself and sacrificed. 
And Jesus said that you, your faith has, has healed you. Your faith has made you whole. Your faith, you're a righteous person now. You think about the woman who was caught in the issue of blood, uh, not caught in the issue of blood, the woman who was caught in adultery. The Pharisees brought her to Jesus. We caught this woman in the act of adultery. And I looked it up in the law. You have to bring both of them. You have to bring the man and the woman. Well, they, I just wonder if one of the guys was one of them, one of the boys club. But they caught her in adultery. They brought her to Jesus. They, they did it because they wanted to trick Jesus. And so he said, he who is without sin, let him cast the first stone. Well, I believe the Holy Spirit came on them and started revealing the things in their lives. And so they started leaving from the oldest to the youngest. And then Jesus uh, said to her, woman, where are your accusers? She says, there, there, there are none, Lord. He's the only one that could have done it. He's the only one that could have accused her. And he didn't do it. And he said this twice, and, uh, you know, he said it twice, one to a guy. He said, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. He wasn't condemning her. He was pointing out that it was the sin that was condemning her. It was the sin. So Jesus is not afraid to get dirty. So he's not afraid to get next to your dirt. He's it's quiet in here today. He's not afraid to get close to you. I like what Kenneth Copeland said a long time. When you sin, don't run from Jesus, run to him. Run to him, run to him, run to him. You think, well, I don't want him to know. I don't want him to see. He already sees. So what's keeping us from Jesus? Thank you, Lord. That was just, that was just from a thought the other day. I mean, I still have things that I think about that make me shudder. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you were a Christian when you were a sailor. But I could cuss like a sailor. And I could say things. And some of the things I said, I just repeated. But they make me shudder. And I know Jesus has forgiven me. But sometimes I think that might be good. The fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord should not keep us from Jesus, it should draw us to Jesus. So verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's still dwelling among us. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. We know 
from what Jesus said in John chapter 8, which we'll, we'll get there eventually, is that the, you shall, if you continue in my word, you know, continuing in, your, in his word is not being faithful every Sunday morning. Can I get an amen? amen. Can I get a hallelujah? No, continuing in his word is having, you know, he says, give us this day our daily bread. So in other words, I need some bread every day. I need fresh bread. I can't live off the bread of the past. Remember, remember when the manna came down, there was only one day that you could keep your bread. That was the day before the Sabbath. You could keep it because you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. So you could eat that. But if you kept it another day, it stank and became wormy. But a lot of us are trying to live off the past word when Jesus wants us to have a fresh, fresh loaf of bread. I have to confess my sin. Um, I was at the market on Friday. No, 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 no. I was a little hungry, so I, th I thought, I think I'm going to get me a pretzel. You know, I'm thinking of this dry bread. Man, <laughs> that was like right out of the oven. It was goo. It, was, it wasn't gooey. It was, it was fresh, man. It was like, oh, wow, what have I been missing? I was actually thinking about going back and getting another one. But I knew I couldn't do that. <laughs> I thought, well, I'll just, go, I'll just make a loop around so Karen doesn't see me and report. <laughs> but uh, she didn't tell on me this morning, so I, I appreciate that. Especially, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, what's wrong with a pretzel? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, if I don't show up, on Fridays is because I'm resisting the devil. Yeah. Not you, the, the pretzel. The pretzel. So, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So Jesus was full of grace and truth. Do you know that the law had truth in it? But the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Jesus was full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Hallelujah. You cannot be free. You cannot be free when you reject the truth. In other words... You're reading in the Word, or the preacher preaches, and I try not to be one of those. I am not the Holy Spirit. Say, Pastor, come on. Pastor, you are not the Holy Spirit. And I realize that. But I realize when I preach the Word, the Spirit can, the Holy Spirit can convict you. And that's okay, because the difference between the devil and the Spirit of God is the devil condemns you. 
the Spirit of God convicts you so you can turn from it so that you can be made free. Am I making any sense? So he was full of grace and truth. Let me just say this. He had to become human for no other man or spirit could atone for your sins. You know, the, the, the reason for the animals in the Old Testament be, was because they, were, they didn't have sin. The lambs didn't have sin. So it was a picture of an innocent sacrifice. And Jesus is the only innocent sacrifice. He's the only innocent sacrifice. That's why God says, God even told them, I don't want your sacrifices. He says, that's not what I'm after. He says, I'm after your heart. And we also know from uh, 2 Corinthians 5.19 that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. So God, God will get close to you no matter what. The funny thing is Jesus will, you know, and I, you know, I'm, I'm just a thinker, you know. He leaves the 99 to go get the one. But me, I'm thinking, well, what about, what if the wolf comes? <laughs> With the, you know, no, he leaves the 99 and he goes for the one who's in trouble. So he's not trying to stay away from you. He's not trying, he's going after you. Even when you feel like you're not worthy, he's coming for you. He is the only true, Jesus is the only true expression of the Father. He came to restore relationship. He wants a close relationship with you and close fellowship with you. My, after I married my wife, we have always been in relationship. But we haven't always been in fellowship. I've, I've never, we've never not been in relationship. But there's been times when she's been mean. <laughs> now let's just get, let's encourage her to get up here and preach sometimes so she can correct the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what is funny? I got to tell you this. You know, some people think that women were not in the ministry in the Bible. Well, even in the Old Testament, before the priest went into the tabernacle to go into the Holy of Holies, there were women there with polished brass mirrors. And they were looking for flaws. I think they still got that ministry today. But they, <laughs> they were looking. Why? Because they didn't want the priest to go in. And so, this is all, 
I'm lighthearted. I, I, I am a supporter of women. Just read my wife's blogs or stuff. She had one on the other day for the National Women's Day. I actually had to like it because, or love, I loved it because I said, man, if I don't love this, I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but women were, they stood there with mirrors so that the priests would be flawless, at least with their garb, when they went into the Holy of Holies. They, throughout the scriptures, women have had a part of the ministry. Just to name a couple of others. Do you know that Isaiah's wife was a prophet? Read the Bible. There was a king. He's one of the last uh, kings in the Old Testament for Judah. I think he was the last righteous king. His name was Josiah. And he, uh, he was having the temple remodeled, cleaned up, got, get out all of the junk. And what I mean was they had brought idols into the temple. And so he was having that all cleaned up. He was having it all repaired. And they found the book of the law, the scroll, actually. It was a scroll. They found the scroll, and they read it, and they said, oh, man, the king's got to hear this. So he took, so they took it and said, king, read it. So, so he read it, and he ripped his clothes because he saw judgment was on, was on them. And he said, go to the prophetess Hilda. And she said, God, she said that God said that he was going to bring the judgment upon upon them, but not while he was alive. Because he rent, ripped his clothes, rent his clothes. Didn't rent them out. But. Okay, so God comes to restore relationship, fellowship. And he says he was full of grace and truth. What is grace? Grace is not just things that you, that you get so that you don't get punished. Grace is God's divine enablement so that when, when you receive Christ, his grace and his anointing and his power comes on you so that you can resist the devil and he will flee from you. It is a divine enablement. Truth, what is truth? Truth is the genuine expression of God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the, he is the divine expression of God. He is God, but he was the divine expression. He said, uh, those who were, as a matter of fact, the Bible says that those who worship in John 4, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We have to be born again, made new, so that we can give true worship to the Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. You say, well, uh, how many of you sinned since you got saved? That always just comes into my mind, you know. Well, do you know that Jesus was the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world? Now, I'm not saying you don't have to deal with sin, but your sin was dealt with before you were even born. It was dealt with. Well, that mean I don't have to repent? 
Well, the Bible says in 1 John, it says, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord. So, God made us. You know, the Bible says God made us in his image. In the first chapter, it says, um, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Okay. He goes on, now, when I say man, we're talking men and women. Thank you, Lord. So, he made us in his image. We are not to make God in the image we desire. God made us in his image. We are, uh, we are not to return the favor. God, we're not supposed to make God loosey-goosey. We're not supposed to make him lower than he is. He's not just your good old boy. I, uh, I don't like it, but I hear this. Uh, well, me and God got an agreement. Well, let me tell you, if it isn't his agreement, you ain't got an agreement. We got an understanding Wow, I'm going to get to the second verse. <laughs> verse 15, John bore witness. John bore witness of him. Who? Him. Him, the Word. Him, Jesus. John bore witness of him and cried out. Let me say this. He bore witness. I believe we have a ministry of John the Baptist to bear witness of Jesus. So he cried out. He had a verbal expression. He cried out saying, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Two things. What does it mean to he is preferred before me? That means he takes the lead. That means he is acknowledged as he is Lord. In other words, John is saying he is better than me. He is acknowledging the lordship of Jesus. But he also said he was before me. Do you know that chronologically in birth, John the Baptist was born six months before Jesus? But do you know that Jesus, who is eternal... The eternal God puts on the dirt suit or the earth suit. He is born, but he's still the ancient of days. He's still the ancient of days. Verse 16, he says, And of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. What does that mean, grace for grace? It is a continual flow. God gives a continual flow of grace. Some people need more grace than others. I'm not going to point anybody out, like me. Grace for grace, continual flow. 
more and more. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we are in Hebrews, he says to come boldly before the throne of grace. How can I come boldly? Because I have grace. God loves you. God pours out his grace upon you. He changes you. He makes you a new creation in Christ Jesus. You are sons of God. You are sons of light. You have authority. The real issue is sometimes is we're always preaching about what God has to do for us, but there comes a place where we have to realize what God has done for us and what he wants to do through us. There was a woman years ago, a preacher said this. They would give testimonies. People would give testimonies. The woman got up and stood up and she said, the devil's been after me all week. Bless his holy name. Now, she's a little confused. She's probably trying to give God the blessing. But the reality is, is we are so fearful of, of the supernatural. We are so fearful of the dark when God says, hey, turn around and face it in my name. Jesus said, in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take, take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, they shall not hurt them. It shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Yeah. Eventually, we've got to get to the place where we realize we are secure in God, but God wants us to turn around and face the darkness and drive the darkness back. Hallelujah. And I know I can hear it now in my brain. Well, what about? What about this and what about that? You know what? At one time, Babe Ruth was the, was the home run king. But he was also the strikeout king. You are never going to succeed if you are afraid of failure. You know what, my wife and I, uh, we talked about this years ago. You know, we couldn't afford kids until we had one. <laughs> how, many of you get, how many of you can afford, you know, when you're young and married, you can afford kids? No, you just get them and then you work it out from there and you believe God. I didn't realize it's not just affording kids, you got grandkids. You know, the, 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 leak, the, the leak doesn't stop. It actually grows. I, 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 I love to see those pictures of uh, Brianna's boy, Silas. He's never with the same person. He's going to be a secure kid because he gets passed around from person to person and he just looks like he's loving life. He's loving life. He's not afraid to get away from his parents because he, 
He knows that he's being loved. We got to realize that we can get away. We, we, can turn, we can turn and face darkness, but we still realize that we are loved. We're loved. Thank you, Jesus. Let me just say this. You cannot exhaust the grace of God. It is impossible for you to exhaust the grace of God. And again, as I said before, come boldly before the throne of grace because it's grace upon grace, a continual, never-ending flow. I'm just going to give a couple of more verses. Verse 17, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law did not bring life. The law brought death. Was there something wrong with the law? No, there was something wrong with people. They were touching, they were touching the power. The law was just to show them they needed Jesus. They needed a savior. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law brought a curse. It brought death. We, but they were already dead in trespasses and sins. The law brought a curse to everyone who broke the law. The innocent animals that were sacrificed for the sins of the people. The animals demonstrated that it took the death of the innocent to pay for our sins. Only Christ could atone for our sins. Christ's sacrifice removed the sin and the sin nature. That's something, you know, that's, that's where we really have to grab a hold of. You're not just forgiven of, your, of what you did. You're forgiven of who you were. What do I mean by that? We, had, we, we did not have the nature of God, so, so we were dead in trespasses and sins, so God removed that old heart, gave us a new heart, and now we have the nature of God. We're not God, but we have the nature of God. The Bible says, uh, I believe it's 2 Peter, it says, we are partakers of the divine nature through these great and precious promises. Thank you, Lord. All right. So, last verse. No one has seen, verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is the begotten of the Father, he has declared us. I was trying to tell a Jehovah Witness who visited me one time. He was trying to say that, you know, that Jesus wasn't God, and I, I said he was God made flesh. Well, he said, the Bible says no one has seen God at any time. Well, they saw Jesus. How many of you see me? You don't see me. You see my earth suit. The real me is in here. Do you know what? When I, when I leave, my body might still be here, but the real me is in heaven. They saw the physical appearance of Jesus, but they didn't see his spirit. So I told this Jehovah Witness guy that, and he says, well, I'll have to get back to you. 
That's been about 35 years, and he ain't been back since. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. God is a spirit. You cannot see God with the natural eye. Our natural eye cannot see the spirit of others. They, see the out they saw the outward man of Jesus, but they didn't see the God on the inside. That's why, that's why it's so hard to understand why the Pharisees were trying to kill God. They couldn't see him. They couldn't see him. They saw the works of God. But when they looked at Jesus, they saw a threat. You know, God will send people into your lives that you think is a threat. And it's really your redemption. God will send people into your lives that you don't like. I had a guy in my life one time. I almost, I was a preacher, but I almost came to fist with him. I mean, he made me so mad. Of course, I made him mad too. But you know what? God worked it out and God, God made me go over and help him rake his yard. I'm not talking about leaves. I'm talking about new, new housing. It's rocks. You're raking rocks. Do you know what it's like to rake rocks? You would rather rake leaves anytime. But I got, as a matter of fact, God said, go over and help him. I said, no. <laughs> How many times are you going to say no? Well, I did twice. But eventually, I just went and got my rake, went over, didn't say a word to him. He was on one side of the driveway. I was on the other side, and I started raking rocks. And he looked over at me. He said, you don't have to do this. And I said, I want to. I, I lied. <laughs> but, but you know what? We became friends. And he helped me. Sometimes God will send somebody your way that you can't see as being a help or a blessing from God. But you can reject them. And you know what? A lot of times people reject the mercies of God. They reject the mercies of God. Well, hallelujah. You're not going to reject the mercies of God, are you? Hallelujah. Well, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we choose to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. We choose to acknowledge he died on the cross for our sins. He rose again from the dead. We choose to acknowledge that he came to deliver us, not only from our sin, but also from the uh, from the power of darkness that would try to harass us. Lord, even as we spoke this morning and said that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and sound mind. He's also not given us a spirit of torment, for he is the God of peace. And I like that word peace. In the Hebrew, it is shalom. It's total wholeness. It is wholeness as well as prosperity, as well as healing. 
I speak shalom over you in the name of Jesus. I command the spirits of torment to loose its hand off of you in the name of Jesus. You, Jesus said, behold, I give you authority. I give you authority. And so, Father, we receive that in the name of Jesus. Now, uh, if you feel like if you feel like you've missed it or blown it, God, God, God wants to get you free from that. And we're going to be up here, and we're going to pray with anybody that needs needs uh, needs prayer. But God is not just here just to forgive your sins; He's here to lift you up. He's here to lift you up. As a matter of fact, it's, he said, the Bible says we're already lifted up. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Do you know that you can be in two places at one time? You're here on earth. You're here in heaven. You're seated with Christ. Turn to somebody and say, where are you? Where are you? Are you in the dirt or are you seated with Christ in heavenly places? Well, I'm going to ask the healing team to come up, the prayer team. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.